0: now over 3 weeks ago we're into this war for over 3 weeks with Hamas attacking Israel in a barbaric display of terrorism. Our next guest Heather K. Fitz wrote an essay and the essay had a very compelling headline, The Quiet American Jew and she wrote, "Can you hear us? We are the quiet American Jews. Can you hear our voices filling the silence? Our knowledge replacing the ignorance, our truth replacing the lies." Can you feel our love drowning out the hate? Our strength as we unite. Can you hear the flicker of our Shabbat candles and the beautiful sound of our ancient prayers? Can you feel the power as we come together as one? Surely you hear us now, right? And, uh, and she wrote about what it means to be a quiet American Jew. Who is the quiet American Jew? and Heather K. joins us right now. Heather, I want you to, if you can, I don't know if you have the essay in front of us, but I want you to explain who is the quiet American Jew, and what did you mean by that?
2: Hi, Lisa. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on today. Pleasure. Yes, thank you. So, so what you were reading was actually something that I wrote a couple of days ago, which was sort of a, um, a follow up to my original mm. piece called "The Quiet American Jew." Yeah. Which, um, you know, what sort of sort of moved me to write that piece was that I I am what I would call the quiet American Jew. I'm not I'm not religious. I'm not kosher. My children don't go to a Jewish day school. I I belong to a Reform synagogue now. I grew up conservative. Um, but I don't go to synagogue on, on most Shabbat. And so I'm sort of quiet. And, I, you know, I, and I, I lived my life in a way where I thought, like many of, of the Jews in America, that we were safe, that we you know, we surround ourselves with Jewish people. We think if we live in a Jewish neighborhood and we've got Jewish friends, that we are safe from sort of the, the anti-Semitism that clearly was living in the, the dark alleys. And, um, and so in the days following the atrocities on Israel, I started to wonder, why do I, a quiet American Jew, feel such a profound and o- overwhelming sense of pain over what's happening? Am I, am I even entitled as a quiet American Jew to, to have these feelings that I'm having? And so that triggered me to just kind of sit quietly one night in my room and write down my thoughts really for myself to to help me sort out the feelings that I was having.
0: Right. So I have that essay in front of me. You're right. I read from, the, from a little bit of a different piece. And you wrote yes. this. Yes. I quietly try to instill a love of Judaism in my children while quietly hoping that they will gain this love without putting in much effort. And certainly I never yes. publicly declare or display my love of Judaism or Israel because after all... I am just a quiet American Jew. I quietly celebrate the high holidays. I quietly respond, thank you when a stranger wishes me a Merry Christmas at Hanukkah time. I quietly pray to God when I am really desperate. And I quietly thank God for all the blessings in my life. And you describe the vast majority of American Jews, Heather. That's the vast majority of them. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Nothing at all wrong with being a quiet American Jew. There's nothing wrong with being assimilated, loving this country, loving your tradition, loving your heritage, loving, 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 and living your life peacefully and quietly. But what you wrote, but what you wrote was really, I think, important and resonant. Because you wrote this, something has awakened inside of me—a profound love and connection to my people, to my brothers and sisters in Israel. And that awakening, that awakening, is continuing. It's happening, but it's happening now. Heather, we're chatting with Heather Kafitz, along with a fair amount of fear. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. And you know how how I ended, how I ended that piece was saying that you know. I have awakened to the realization that I no longer have the luxury of being a quiet American Jew. None of us do. Mm-hmm. and i and I believe that to be the case. And you know so you said there was there was nothing wrong with that. And there certainly was was nothing wrong with that. But now there is something wrong with that. And so you know remaining quiet now as a Jewish person is just something that that none of us, you know have the luxury of doing anymore. And, um, there is a lot of fear as you, you know, as you identified, um, it's a, it's a scary time. And I, I, I myself try not to succumb to that. You know, of course I want to sit around all day watching the news and and crying and and not getting out of bed, but that doesn't help any of us, does it? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So what is a quiet
0: American Jew to do? And it's a good question. And what are our beautifully also quiet Christian and non-Christian and non-sectarian, anybody other than Jewish, Muslim, wherever it is you come from, what are our quiet friends supposed to do to help through this time? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, one of the big things we can do is
2: no longer be quiet. So that means it, it involves educating, talking, having respectful conversations with, with neighbors, with coworkers to the extent that it's you know safe to do that with educators. Um, I've had to get on the phone with my, my child, three children. I've had to get on the phone with their teachers, multiple teachers to say, what messages are you giving? What are you saying in history class in my daughter's in a religion class? Um, and I know they're discussing Judaism now and I need to understand, you know, they said, well, we're going to focus on the facts. And I said, well, with all due respect, what are, what are your facts? Because mm. our facts, seem to differ in a time like this. And so I've been able to have really um, wonderful, encouraging conversations with educators where I explain what we are going through as a people, um, what's happening in the world from our perspective as Jewish people. So I think we we can no longer be quiet. That involves posting, posting things on social media, um, especially for those that have a really big platform. Um, we can certainly sign—I've been signing a number of petitions. I've been um, reaching out to politicians. I've been celebrating, you know, certainly celebrating Shabbat, coming together. I was supposed to be in Israel right now for the first time with a group of 40 women on a momentum trip. And we've been coming together as a, as a group of Jewish women in, in our area outside of Washington, D.C., Washington, D. We've been doing fundraisers, um, donating, you know, however you can, wherever you can, and um, praying. You know, I've been praying, which is not something that I regularly did as a quiet American Jew, but that's changed for me. Um, I've been writing. You know, I've been writing personal thoughts, and to the extent that they are meaningful, and I think that they may resonate. I've been sharing them um, and talking to my children. You know, I have three— uh, Jewish children who have never, of course, gone through anything like this, and they're looking at me saying, "What's wrong? Why are you, why are you sad? Why are you writing? Why are you advocating? Why, are you, why are we celebrating Shabbat?" And I'm explaining to them the importance of Israel, the importance of being Jewish, and um, and how special that is, really, you know, and trying to instill in them a joy, a, a deep joy. And pride for our religion, because in a time like this, it's very easy to feel fearful and to hide. And I'm I'm very strongly trying to counteract that with both my writing and my words and uh, my connection to other Jewish people.
0: We're chatting with Heather K. Fitz. Two zero three 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 nine four two two was our number. Do you have parents that are still alive, Heather? I have um my father passed away
2: a few years ago. My mother is alive. Yep, and she lives and she lives in the area and I have two wonderful um in-laws who also live here.
0: Yeah. And brothers and sisters? I do. Yep, I have um I have three, well, I have a sister-in-law and two sisters. And is your reaction to this is it something shared by your immediate family?
2: It is. Yes, it is. My reaction to, yeah, my reaction to the atrocities, I mean, at, at this point, I would say, um, yes, I think there are some Jews that, that are not having sort of the level of outrage that, that most Jews are having. But I, I think perhaps I'm naive, but I think that those Jews are few and far between at this point when you see you know, what's happening in the world and the, you know, anti-Jewish and anti-Israel protests and the anti-Semitism. And, you know, of course, the initial slaughter of our people, w- w- you know, should elicit outrage in any, in any decent human, as I say, inside my, um, my writing. But, but at this point, yes, my family shares in the outrage um, and my thoughts on it. And, you know, I, I certainly hope that every decent human being does.
1: That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
2: This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Chime checking account and a 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply
0: we're chatting with Heather Kafitz a quiet i am a quiet american jew is an astonishingly uh, amazing essay you ought to see it if you can't find it you can just literally google it it appears i guess it was i don't know where it was originally published i'm finding it now on something called aish.com but it may have been published in many yeah, places yeah aish H. aish.com okay. yeah which yeah. is a is a
2: a very widely read jewish publication yeah. online
0: yeah, it, yeah i, I never
2: heard of it of really before really great writing yeah i never heard yeah, of it yeah there's actually a lot of yeah really, really great, great articles on Aish. And there's also it actually was just published in a in a book that you can find on Amazon called Am Yisrael High, which is a beautiful collection of poems, essays and prayers that were put together in the aftermath of the atrocities on October seventh, and um by, by Rabbi Menachem Creditor. And he put together this Anthology, which was a you know a reaction to what happened. All the proceeds are being donated to Israel. It's all you, know, you can see kind of the details of it. But but I would encourage your listeners to purchase the book. It's it's really quite beautiful. I've been reading you know the other the other um, essays and poems written by by other uh, Jews and and what were that's know, encouraging. We, we are
0: the people of the book after all. That we made a book right away. It's only three weeks and we already have yes. a book. Yes. that's very typical. Yes, it's incredible. It's very incredible I think it went Jewish to print culture. maybe you know nine days after um,
2: October 7th something like that and just came out a couple of days ago and it is encouraging because that's what I think we do as a people right we focus on yeah. on mobilizing on um, coming together on continuing to experience joy um, and I think we're obligated to do that and and not hiding even though it's you know I want to hide inside my house that's that's how we want what we want to do but we have an obligation not to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's you know we're all we're all struggling, but we have to find our way through and find ways to you know to to explain to the world what what's happening, what we're going through, and um, you know the reality is we'll we will never be the same from from what happened to us on October seventh and the aftermath.
0: Heather Kaifitz, uh, I have a question for you. you. Say you have three children. Are any of them in college or becoming of college age soon?
2: Well, yeah, my daughter is a junior in, in high school, and um, I've been speaking now. I have actually this morning I was speaking with friends that have one has a daughter at University of Michigan. Um, one has a daughter at UPenn, which obviously there's been, been a lot of talk about UPenn. And um, one has a son at, at uh, Boulder, Colorado, and it's it's heartbreaking and it's scary. And I'm you know I'm looking at the computer saying, where is my daughter going to apply? Where is it safe for to send her? Um, and
0: it's it's just absolutely heartbreaking. What do you? Make, I mean, you're an I, educated woman. You're a very bright lawyer. You've got a ton of credentials in the world. What do you make of? I'm curious your own opinion about the college campus thing. Do you think that it's related to some um, errant intellectual philosophies that they've been taught? Do you think it's something coming from the tremendous amount of funding that is coming from some of the countries in the Middle East that may have also decided that they could um, choose some professors? Do you think it's coming from different kinds of media or people's own ethnic experiences. What do you think it's coming from?
2: I mean, I, I think it's probably a combination of all of those things. And I think it's different among the professors than it is maybe among some of the students who, you know, jump on on a bandwagon that they don't understand at all. They think they're being woke. They think they are supporting the oppressed without understanding that um, you know, who the oppressed is and who the oppressor is. People seem to, you know, want to divide the world into the oppressed and the oppressor and sort of simplify things. And, you know, I, I just think it's a combination of, of all of those things that you mentioned. And certainly just, you know, underlying all of it, there just appears to be an underlying anti-Semitism that has been living very quietly underneath the surface of the universities, the, you know, really the, the, um, the local, you know, at the County levels and, and among your neighbors and, and people that you thought would certainly stand up loudly and speak loudly in your favor. And I think it's just been living there very quietly and the floodgates have been open now. And there's an opportunity for people to really speak how they feel about Israel, about the Jewish people. um, And they they're just using it as an opportunity to, you know, to voice those anti-Semitic views, because at the end of the day, I think that
0: that's that's really what it is. You know, Heather, I'll leave you with this thought and you'll probably noodle on this and write a brilliant essay. But I want to leave you with something. (laughs) I have a son-in-law who's Israeli. I adore him. Uh, His name is Yotam. He's 33. Three now or 32 and he just missed the cutoff his squadron has not been called back to Israel so he's been here for 10 years he's a graduate of Georgia Tech he married my daughter and they have a baby on the way the first baby due in February God willing ah, and wonderful. yes so that's our stage of life and we're very grateful and we adore him but his whole family is still there his entire family is still there he's the only person in his um, entire family who's here And um, he said to me the other day, he's a brilliant, brilliant young man. He said to me, you know, Lisa, he said to me, there's two kinds of anti-Semitism. There's lowbrow and highbrow. The lowbrow, you know, are the Nazi SWAT stickers, the stuff that has come from the far right for a long time. The very visceral, in-your-face hate messages. We know that. We know that a long time. The highbrow comes from the left. The highbrow comes in fancy words like anti colonialism and, as you said, oppressor oppressed, whatever it is. And they do intellectual tumble salts, but they get to the same place. Yeah. They all hate you. That's a really, that's right. Yeah. And it's a really (laughs) interesting
2: way of looking at it. Isn't it? They hide behind, yes, yes. And that's what's. At, at the at the higher institutions, it almost seems like the the better the institution, sort mm-hmm. of the more intellectual the, the mm-hmm. students and the professors, the yeah. the, the greater the anti semitism. Yes, it does. I mean, seem it really that way. makes me. It does, <laughs> and I'm you know I don't think my daughter will be applying to sort of the the quote Ivy leagues, and I'm thankful that that is not the case because we would have a real predicament on our hands um, to send you know our Jewish child right now to to an Ivy League that is supposed to be filled with intellectuals that are supposed to understand what's, you know, the the history and and what's actually happening in the world. So I agree. I think that's a, that's a very interesting analysis by your son-in-law and, and, um, and you can turn it into a great essay, Heather.
0: You can turn it into a great (laughs) essay. Yes. Thank you. And I'll read it. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. (laughs) Uh, Heather K. Fitz, thank you so much for joining us. I am a quiet American Jew is must reading. It's an essay I think you can find everywhere. If you want to understand and relate to many of your Jewish neighbors and friends, it's a real good one. It's a good one. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank Heather. you, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on. A pleasure. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned.